0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations That Heal. I'm back, and I hope you enjoyed the guest host, Regina King and Jeff Lofton. Today on Conversations That Heal, we're going to be giving you tools to help you find peace for your inner child. I'm your host, Susan Jacoby. We all have an inner child who needs consoling, and the extent of our childhood trauma determines the wounds of that child. As adults, we can use healthy routines to find peace within all of our souls and to find peace for the inner child. Our guest today is Hazel Palashi, a certified clinical hypnotherapist, a coach, an Amazon best-selling author as well as a certified NLP practitioner and stress management counselor. Hazel is the founder of Your Stairway to Wealth. She declares that, quote, wealth is not just about money, unquote. She offers hypnotherapy and coaching over the phone, and she sees clients in her Sherman Oaks, California office for one-on-one hypnosis. Her website is stairwaytowealth.com. Welcome, Hazel, to Conversations That Heal. I'm very happy to have you on the show. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you for inviting me, Susan. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: In your bio, I read that you were an NLP practitioner. Could you refresh our memories to exactly what that is?
1: NLP, neuro linguistic programming, is a process to allow people to change the neurons in their brain using certain kinds of words. You know, for instance, when I use hypnosis, I will use certain kinds of words for subconscious takes in the messages the way it needs to take them in. That's really what it is, neuro linguistic programming. It's It neuro-linguistically changes the neurons in your brain.
0: I always like to ask so that my listeners know what we're talking about.
1: So Mm -hmm. thank you
0: very much. to Give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit. Can you give us a brief summary of how you got into this field and became a hypnotherapist?
1: Absolutely. I was born in and brought up in London, UK. Didn't move to the States until I was 37. My childhood was extremely abusive, very negative. My mother was a battered wife. My father was a compulsive gambler. And obviously, since my mother was a battered wife, he was also an abuser. So I didn't know what it was to think positively, or to say things positively, or to believe in myself, or any of those things. Came to this country, the U.S., when I was 37, married with two children. At 42, I decided that after 25 years, I just could not live in that marriage anymore. It just wasn't working. And so I divorced my, my now ex-husband. The next number of years were absolutely appalling, actually, because I'd always taken, been taken care of. I never had to stand up for myself I never had to earn a living I did because that's what I wanted to do but I never had to worry about finances and when I got divorced I walked away from everything I just wanted to be out and after a number of years I discovered that unless I was going to go to work I wasn't going to be able to have a roof over my head I did at that point have a job in a psychologist office I was looking for a shortcut. I decided that I would take my certification in hypnotherapy, which also included learning how to use it on a psychological level. I wanted to help people to change the way they were thinking. By that point, um, I was doing my own work. I could see what it was doing for me to be able to change The way I thought and that I didn't have to believe I was useless, worthless, or anything else that had been drummed into me as a child. You know, your subconscious is a very powerful part of your brain. Unfortunately, it's 90% of your brain power and you've only really got 10% conscious mind, so when it comes to things like that, your subconscious runs your life, and often people don't realize that that's what's happening, and that's why they can't achieve what they want. So it took a year because I went to school at night while I was training and working at the same time, and then I was invited into... The practice of a local psychologist, a very well-known, well-respected psychologist, and I opened my own hypnosis practice. Not only did I have the honor of helping people to make all the changes that they wanted to make, helping them to make those changes helped me to create even more changes within my own life and my own thinking. Did I make mistakes along the way? Absolutely. I made many mistakes, especially with relationships, which I knew nothing about coming out of a marriage because I went from my father's home to my husband's home and, you know, that was it, basically. When I saw the kind of changes that people could make and the kind of changes I was making, I became very, very passionate about helping people in general, but women in particular, to tap into their own power and brilliance. Women have a tendency to squash themselves. It's about the only way I can put it. And I did a lot of work with the Family Violence Project here in the Los Angeles area, working with you know battered women and teens, learning how to say no. And the more I did this, the more passionate I became about it. However, After I had been in practice for about four years, somebody jumped a red light, nearly killed me, and then I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And it got to the point where I was getting five migraines a week, and I really couldn't see people like that anymore. But I didn't want to give up working with people. And it was 1997, and coaching had just about come on the scene at that point. And I retrained, I became a certified coach, and then I started coaching people on the phone and doing hypnosis on the phone because it is just as powerful on the phone. But, and I was still helping people. Now I was helping people in a different way. I was helping people to overcome negative thinking, how to see their own self-worth, how to have confidence in themselves, and it really has become like a life's passion for me. I mean, I'm 75. I could stop working tomorrow, but there's no way that I want to give up what I'm doing because I see such incredible change in people, and that's what it's all about.
0: You talked about the uh, your brain patterns, and, and I know that we could do a whole show on this, Uh, But I want to touch into that just a little bit before we really focus on the inner child and its impact on our adult relationships. Can you say a little bit about how we can change our brain patterns? What are the neurons in our brains for the listeners who that might be a, a new word for them?
1: Well, if you think about your brain, your mind, it's very powerful. And and think about it like an iceberg. An iceberg, you only see the tip of the iceberg, and the rest of it is under the water. Well, that's basically how your brain works. Your subconscious is under the water, so to speak, and your conscious is the tip of the iceberg that you can actually see. So what you're trying to do, or what you need to do, is to find out what you're doing to allow your subconscious... See, the subconscious picks up everything from birth to present day, and it doesn't matter what you say consciously with your mouth, you can say all the words you like, but if your subconscious is telling you something completely different, then you're going to have a problem achieving the results you want in life, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in business, or just life in general. You know, you might have heard people say, I don't understand it, I'm doing the same as she's doing, but she's successful and I'm not. Well, the she that is successful probably has done work on a deeper level, and um, and now is able to achieve the things that she wants to achieve. Changing the neurons is about, let's say you ha- grow up like I did, in a family where you only hear negatives, you only see negatives, you only hear negatives. What your subconscious is taking in is you can't do this, you are not good enough to do this, you're stupid, or whatever words your parent. now those words sit with you all of your life until you change them. So you can say, you know, oh, I'm going to, let's say, I'm going to have the most incredible relationship I've ever had in my life. And you meet somebody, and for some reason the relationship really isn't the way you thought it would be, it's not going well, and blah, blah, blah. And everything you're saying is being overrun by the subconscious programming. It's an approach to communication and personal development. It's a connection between the neurological processes of your brain and the language and behavioral patterns that you use through your experiences. That's basically what it is. So the neurons are, is the neurological process of your brain. Language is the words you speak. And the behavioral patterns are the actions you take.
0: I was thinking as you were talking, you know that expression, my head gets it but my heart doesn't? Have you right. heard that expression? Right. Yes. So I'm, as you were talking, I'm just wondering, is it possible that your subconscious is your heart?
1: Not really, because your heart is not, well, I've never quite heard it like that before, to be honest with you. Um, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we're both on the same page. <laughs> um, I just thought i You know, Your, me, you your heart is so connected to your brain and to your intuition, and... It really does, NLP really does encompass the three most influential components that are involved in producing any experience for a human being. The neurological system tends to regulate how your body functions. The language determines how you communicate with other people. And programming determines the kind of behavior and habits In the world that we create. So, where does your heart come into that? It comes into it all the way through it, but your subconscious is, I personally wouldn't call that part of your heart, because it's your heart that usually gets, and please take this word loosely, it's the heart that usually takes the emotional trauma. If you have a heart that is full of, you know, life and love and gratitude, then it's going to be a healthy heart space. But if your heart space is not full of life and love and gratitude and your subconscious isn't either, then that negativity is running all through you from basically the top of your head all the way down.
0: Thank you for explaining that because that that does help tie it in and and as I said I mean we we could do a whole show just on this topic just by the platform that that you've explained it I think is a is a good setup to a, a very little peek into how um, our brains and um, our actions and all that work together. I want to dive in into the inner child work and. I have found that, and along my healing journey, to be honest, it's kind of frustrating to think that every action i I take, every thought that I have that um, isn't supporting my adult life can ninety nine point nine percent of the time be traced back to the inner child kind of gotten to the point where where I'm like. Please don't tell me this is related to the abuse or the inner child work. And it is, and I know it is. So I'm glad that, that we're going in on this work to explain a little bit. Uh, the first question I want to ask you is about the inner child work and, and why you feel it's so important in living a uh, wealthy adult life. You define wealthy as, well, I'll let you. Explain how you describe wealth.
1: A wealthy life is not just a financially wealthy life because if you don't have good health, that means emotional and physical, and you don't have um, joy and happiness and laughter and all the things in life that make it fun as well as serious, and you need some kind of financial freedom, if you have all of that, then you have a wealthy life. But if you only have money, I grew up never needing a thing. I was married and never had to worry about money, but I wasn't ever happy. It didn't start. It didn't help me to be happy just because you know I had material things. That to me is, over the years it has become so. Uh, it's something I don't like to see in people when, I mean, people are who people are, and I accept people to the best of my ability. However, people are who people are, and sometimes the only thing they can see is the material factor of their lives. Well, that is not how I see wealth. Wealth is not about the things I have. It's about the life I have, the lifestyle I lead. It's about do I get up in the morning and say, "Wow, today's another day? Well, truthfully, at seventy five yes, I do <laughs> so to me, wealth includes much more than just money.
0: It's interesting how and and this is so easy to do when you know you're really struggling in in any situ- in any form of your life, you know financial relationships, and I always think to myself, you know well." Um, if I could just get blank worked out, then then everything will be perfect. Well, like putting all the the emphasis on um, whatever the blank might be, you know. Like like everything right. will look better if I can just get this part of my life fixed. Forgetting that it's all connected, or even that the parts that aren't quote unquote fixed or that you're not even worried about, but they are important and um, play a very valuable role in not your consciousness, but just in your well-being.
1: Absolutely. Uh, the truth, look, this is the way I look at things today. The ch- your childhood is going to affect you good or bad and, If you know who John Bradshaw is, because he was the granddaddy of inner child work, and John Bradshaw used to say that 97% of the population is highly dysfunctional, so there's only 3% of functional families. Well, I'm actually still waiting to meet the 3%, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but (laughs) remember that dysfunction goes from one end to the other, Mild dysfunction would be, you know, you're so stupid you never get anything right to um, somebody who just abuses, hits, and sexually abuses a child. So you're talking about all different levels of dysfunction and whatever abuse you go through. And children perceive what children perceive the way they perceive it at the time. You may say something as an adult and that child may take it in a completely different way. Completely differently. Um, However, that's what sits in their subconscious.
0: It's also important to remember that a child's mind isn't developed like an adult's mind. So no matter how much you um try to blame, you know, your inner child or your child or, you know, whoever it may be. That's a very important fact to remember. So, you know, how on earth could you expect the experience to be the same?
1: Well, it can't be the same, and the truth of it is that And I'm not going to tell you that this happened to me in my early adult years because it didn't. I mean, I spent, you know, 20 years going through panic attacks and panic disorder and all sorts of things because I didn't realize that I had so much emotional garbage in my mind. But when you get to a certain point as an adult, it's very important to be able to let go of blame. Because when you keep blaming, your parents do the best they know how. Not the best they can. They do the best they know how. Because I know that my parents, both of them, came from very abusive families. Their abuse, my mother staying with my father for 60 years and being abused all those years, was like mind-blowing. But she didn't know it any other way. So she was very passive-aggressive, so that's how she treated everybody, including her children. And that carried forward with me. Now, I didn't become passive-aggressive. I went the opposite way, but my sister didn't. She became passive-aggressive in her earlier years. And that means that, for instance, she didn't talk to you for a year if you did something she didn't like, And I'm being a little bit, um, you know, over the top there. Maybe it was two weeks, but you know what I mean. You can't continually blame parents for the life you create as an adult. You have to at some point be willing to take responsibility and live your life for yourself. It doesn't mean that you're going to forget. It just means you're going to forgive and let go. Because you don't forgive for somebody else. You forgive for yourself. Whether the other person knows that you've forgiven them or not is not important. But if you can't say that you forgive them, then you have a big problem. Because you're going to go through life being a victim. And I'm going to be honest, I'm very transparent about my life and and who I am and how I was and how I am now. I used to play the victim very well in my 20s and even in my early 30s. I was a terrible hypochondriac because it was the only way I could get attention because that's what I had been taught. And although I didn't marry a physically abusive man, I married a man that had no idea how to communicate. What did we end up doing? We ended up shouting and screaming at each other, which was one of the reasons I finally got divorced. You know, the truth of it is that you can't continually blame. I mean, excuse me, let me rephrase that. You can continually blame your parents if you choose. However, it won't help you. So my suggestion to clients for instance or anybody that's dealing with inner child work which i did with people for six years in private practice um is to not necessarily go back and moan and groan about all the terrible things that happened but acknowledge that you didn't have a good childhood acknowledge that it wasn't the way you wanted it to be you would have liked it to have been different And then you move on and say, you know, okay, so how am I going to change this so my adulthood isn't the same? And there are ways you can do that.
0: Before we go on to that, I want to address something that you said about forgiveness. Um, That is such a a key word in our society. And often um, leaves me wondering, what does that look like? say like not you personally but you know i'll say no. like you know these these are boundaries and this is what it looks like and this is what it feels like but forgiveness i personally think that it's more about self-forgiveness than than anything else but that definition isn't what i want to address here could you just like explain to the listeners in your view what does forgiveness look like like what how does it feel what is the how does it show up in a visual? I think the word is a tangible effect.
1: Well, I don't think that there's anything really tangible about forgiveness. Um, I think, yes, you when you go through inner child work, you have to learn how to forgive yourself, definitely. But you don't forgive yourself for doing anything wrong. You forgive yourself for not being able to, to change things when you would have liked them to have been changed when you were a child. Maybe you would have liked, I would love my father, for instance, to have hugged me occasionally or sent me a birthday card one year, which I never, ever got my whole childhood. Did he call me stupid? My, both my parents did. Was I allowed to go to college? No, I wasn't, because I wasn't clever enough in their eyes, and I was a woman, and growing up in the years that I grew up, I became a very angry woman. I didn't realize as I went through the years that the anger didn't really come from anger that was going on at that time. It came from anger from my childhood, from all the things that I didn't get emotionally, from all, not from anything material, because I had everything I could have wanted materially, or within reason anyway. But when you say tangible, forgiveness is not necessarily tangible. It's something you do emotionally. The only way it's tangible is if you write. For instance, when I was going years, I'm, I'm going back so many years, I don't even remember exactly when it was. I went to a weekend workshop many years ago when I was still going through the process of letting go of you know, my childhood and growth. And one of the things that the psychologist, who was one of the people running the group, said was that you need to write a letter to each parent individually telling them how you would have liked your childhood to have been, what it would have looked like if you could have had what you wanted it to be. Now, I wrote that letter, and I was so proud of myself, and I went back to him and he said, no, 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 no. He said, you're still blaming them. And I said, well, but they are to blame. He said, yes, but this is not about blame. This is about letting go. He said, so I want you to rewrite the letter and just write it from your point of view how you would have liked You know, I would have liked to have sat on Daddy's lap. I would have liked Mommy to give me a hug occasionally. I would have liked this, 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 and this, and I didn't get that. And I came back the second time, and he sent me back to do it again. By the third time, I understood what he meant. I had to be able to write this in such a way that I could actually... I didn't have to read this to them. Well, as it so happens, I think my father was already dead at that point, but um, my mother wasn't, and I didn't have to read it to them, but I did have to read it out loud. And it's a very powerful thing when you write a letter to a parent and you hear yourself reading it out loud the way you would have liked your life to have looked as a child you know, I would have liked to have had fun and not just do everything because my father said that's what I had to do. I would have liked to have sat on his lap and him to tell me that everything is going to be fine, not to say, oh, you need money. Okay, his money, that will, and that solves the problem. That was his way of solving problems, but it didn't help me emotionally. And it stopped me from becoming independent for a lot of years. Tangibly, the only thing I can say tangible is write those letters. If your parents are still alive, you can read them to the parent. But if they're old, there's no point because they won't get it. And it'll just frustrate you. And so you read it out loud or Have a friend let you read it to them. Somebody you trust is what it needs to be. Somebody you trust needs to hear you read this letter so that you can hear yourself saying it out loud. And in the letter you write, you know, I forgive you for not being able to do better than you you did.
0: That's a good idea. As you are explaining that, it reminds me of years ago, my therapist telling me, what is important is to set your intention because right. the odds of your wants, your needs, whatever you want to call them, being met are pretty slim given that you're asking the people who didn't give you what you needed. It, you know, It's not like they're taking a magic pill and have gone through 20 years of therapy to all of a sudden be able to give you what you need. And, and even if they could they can't read your mind so what's important is to set your intention as a way to protect yourself it just set you know your your boundaries to know what you need from you essentially to find peace around whatever it is that isn't working
1: well right you're reparenting yourself yeah that's what a child work is it's about reparenting the child within you it doesn't matter how old you're going to be you're still going to have that child inside of you and so that child has to be reparented well now as an adult you're going to reparent that child yourself so that all the old messages that the child received, man or woman, men don't tend to um come forward as easily with this stuff as women do, but man or woman, if you're living your life and it's a life that it's a life that you're not happy totally with. I love my life, okay, there are more things that I might like you know in certain ways. However, I love my life. I love what I do. Um, I'm not passive aggressive. My parents are both dead. And they did the best they knew how. So when I wrote those letters, that was the first step in me letting go. I'm not saying that was the end step because it did take a few more steps. And then I learned how, and I taught this to clients, how to visualize seeing The little Hazel, the little girl, as I was, standing next to me. And if I was afraid to do something, I would visualize her, even if it was from a photograph. You know, if you can't see it in your head, you get a photo of how you looked as a child. And you look at that photograph so you can see the child and you visualize taking the child's hand and saying, you know what, everything's now going to be okay because I'm here. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to support you. And I'm going to give you what you need. And so you start the reparenting process.
0: We're talking about... Uh, using the the word child as in a singular. And I'm just wondering, do people tend to have more than just one uh, inner child?
1: Well, unless people have split personalities, yes, they only have one child as a, as a rule. I mean, mm-hmm. the child can be angry, the child can be happy, the child can be sad. It doesn't matter what the child is. The child is always the same person, you, as a child not you to mm-hmm. you but you know what i mean it's you oh, yeah. as a child mm-hmm. however you see that child i mean one of my most vivid pictures is of me standing in the front garden of my parents home with my sister and we're both dressed in these white organdy or i can't remember what they're called organza type dresses with red spots all over the dresses long hair and neither one of us is smiling that was me. That was my child. That was who I was. You know, and I could go to the, the child who was terrified at five years old because she had a spider crawling on the front of her coat. That was the same child, just at a different time. So it's not like we have different children inside of us. We have the same child that go through different um Emotions that go through different experiences and different times in their lives and carry those things forward into their adult life. And unfortunately, a lot of people continue blaming their parents for everything that ever happened and still do if the parents are alive. Blame the parents for everything you know, expect the parents to be perfect, and they never move on. They never get past anything. It's important to be able to let go of that inner stuff that is from so long ago, and yet maybe you've been sitting with it like I did for 40 years before I even started doing the work. You know, but now I'm 75, And do I make mistakes? Sure I make mistakes. Can I see things that my own children do with their children that I did when I didn't know any better? Absolutely I can. Do I point it out to them? Not in a million years or I would never live to see the day. (laughs) you don't tell children I mean I could tell my children things about what they're doing with their children that is going to affect them when they get older (laughs) but they wouldn't be able to accept that from me so I don't say anything you know it's going to be their life and it's going to be their experiences so no to answer your original question there's one child unless you have split personality syndrome there's one child going through different phases but just one child
0: okay well thanks for clarifying that before we come to the end of the show I do want to address the one question that we really were focusing on and and that's the the inner child and and how it reflects into our adult relationship how the two are connected
1: actually you're connected by your subconscious thinking is the easiest way of saying it. If you carry forward into your adulthood all the stuff and messages and negatives and everything that you heard, felt, saw when you were growing up and you still have those sitting there in your subconscious, that's the child you're going to bring forward into your adulthood. When you start to work with that inner child and the inner child starts to heal, then the subconscious messages start to change. And that's where words and NLP come in. How many times do you hear a person say, I can't, or I must, or I should have, or you have to? Well, who says? That didn't come from the little girl who wanted or the little boy who wanted this wonderful life, that came from a parent who said, you should definitely, whatever, 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 or why haven't you, and you have to. And No, those words don't exist in my language anymore. Once in a blue moon, and I might say, if I say the words, I have to, like I think I did earlier in our conversation, and I said, let me rephrase that, It's not about never slipping. It's not about that you'll never have another negative thought because you're human. But you have to be able to, and I'm using it purposely, you have to be able to heal that child on a subconscious level and change the way you are thinking so that your subconscious thinking and your conscious thoughts integrate when they integrate you are you are creating a new child the child then becomes healed not completely maybe because you never stop learning until the end of your life but the child starts to heal and then you have to be consciously aware do i want to live my life you know constantly allowing you know, whatever life throws at me, I'll take? Or am I going to live at cause and create my own life and be responsible for who I am and for that child inside of me so that my little girl, I'm going to talk about it as a she because I'm a she, so that she's healed. And that's what people need to be able to do. Which is why a lot of the work I did during my healing process was done with hypnosis. Because it's so powerful to be able to tap into your subconscious on a deeper level, working with somebody right now who has tremendous fears from her childhood and anxiety and panic we work with those things to heal that part of the child on a subconscious level so she can become the adult who now parents the child a different way.
0: As you were explaining all that, it reminded me of the years that I spent. I was actually working with triggers, which of course is a little different than this conversation, but but it's the same idea. And grabbing that split second in my mind when I would get triggered there were days that my head would literally hurt because Mm -hmm. it took so much effort to you know like grab that uh, I don't know the the brain words for it, but you know, like like it say it was like a little bolt of electricity you know flying from the front of my brain to the amygdala, you know where the memories live, and all that stuff, and just grabbing it it is possible. It takes a very strong um, intention again, there's that word mm-hmm. and commitment and discipline did I grab everyone like you were saying, no, absolutely not, I didn't. But once you bring it into your awareness, then it changes the ball game and then it becomes about making a choice. Because in the end this is all about choices. Yes. And it you know, it goes into what, you know, you're talking about and it's all the same thing. It's about making the choice to bring awareness if you're not aware that's a whole other conversation. But once you become aware, and after you've listened to this show with Hazel's uh, wisdom, you're you are more aware than you were when you started the show. You know, then you have the choice to grab it or not.
1: Absolutely,
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: very important to your adulthood to be able to be conscious enough to and honest enough to see the mistakes that you might be making so that you can change those mistakes and by doing so you are helping that child to heal even more. Unfortunately I would say probably sixty or seventy percent of people walk around completely unconscious. That that's not just me, that's you know, comes from basically statistics. How often do people really realize that you have to be so honest with yourself that it's almost hurtful? But always remember that the honesty with yourself is helping that child inside of you to stay strong and to stay powerful and to use the brilliance and the power that she or he actually has without being egotistical. Because if you do it from a narcissistic, egotistical point of view, then that's no good either. And if you teach your own children, for instance, that they are the be-all and end-all of everything, then that's not okay either. Because then they grow up with unrealistic expectations of themselves. Learning to deal with your subconscious. I could do a whole program just on that.
0: (laughs) I could see where there would be several programs we could do. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right. I mean, we could do a series, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, the truth of it is, it's a very big topic. It doesn't happen overnight, and that's what your listeners need to realize. If you've been walking around with the same kind of thinking for 20, 30, 40 years, you are not going to change that thinking in 24 or 48 hours. It takes time, it takes commitment to yourself, and it takes work. And I don't mean physical work. I'm talking about, you know, being conscious, as you said.
0: You were talking about um, mistakes and being aware. One thing that I have learned, and anyone who knows me or, you know, personally knows, I say this all the time. One thing that I have learned above everything else, that there are no mistakes, and any way that I notice that I'm acting or my thought process that I want Mm -hmm. to change, you know, first noticing that, and then I'm able to almost dissect that thought and determine where that thought came from. And then Mm -hmm. it becomes about um, compassion for me and why I ended up with that thought
1: like you. I don't believe that there are any mistakes.
0: Mhm.
1: I believe mm-hmm. that mistakes are put there so you learn from them. That's it. I mean Which that's it. A, you
0: know, it's important to to know that. It's important to really hear that because because that that releases all of the judgment stuff that mm-hmm. that we're so thrown to as human beings. And it's such a a dam of opportunity that gets lost.
1: Yes, it absolutely is. And, and mistake is another word people use that is a similar word is failure. There is no such thing as failure. You don't fail just because something doesn't come to fruition. You learn from it. And you say, okay, so... You know, I mean, what was his name, the guy that did the light bulb? Edison. It took him 2,000 times before he created a light bulb. And he said, I didn't fail. I had 2,000 ways to try to create it. Or I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember the exact saying. But, you know, you don't fail at something Because you've learned something by maybe not achieving what you wanted. But what did you learn from it? I always say to clients, okay, tell me what you learned from that experience.
0: It's hard to believe, but we only have a few minutes left on this show, wrap up. And um, Hazel does have a gift that she wants to offer the listeners before I um, hand it over to her. Her to quickly to explain the gift for you. I did want to remind the listeners that I do have a few coaching opportunities open, and um, please email me at Susan at conversations at heel.com. If you would like to set up a schedule, I'll um, we'll schedule a, a complimentary 20 minute session to see if you know if I, how I can support you, um, if, if I can support you. So Hazel, I want to um, give it over to you. You know, in like thirty seconds or so, if you could um, explain to the listeners your uh, free gift at your website, um, yourstairwaytowealth.com. And it was it downward slash gift it was and i forgot to say that thank you
1: that's okay so the free gift is your com downward slash gift and the gift is a book an e-book of quotes that are inspirational motivational and will help you to get through every day if you read a quote a day you're you choose the quotes you want to read and wherever you are at that time choose one that works for you and if you see one that is particularly resonates with you, write it on an index card and tape it somewhere you can see it so it's yourstairwaytowealth.com downward slash gift
0: Wow, that's a beautiful gift I, I'm going to have to go grab that gift <laughs> 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 and that that would make a nice complimentary addition to my free gift, eleven tools for happiness. So between well, the two go. of us we got the listeners covered.
1: <laughs> right. We have, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And it's really well, been a pleasure talking to you, Susan. So thank you very much for inviting me.
0: Oh, the pleasure was mine. I was thinking, I think we met each other in two thousand nine. Is that what your memory tells you? Unfortunately,
1: I've got to the point in life where my memory doesn't tell me very much. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So I often remember people's names or I remember their faces like I did this morning, but where I met somebody I couldn't tell you unless I've seen them more than once. And I'm very honest about that. I don't know whether it's to do with age because I don't feel very old or whether it's just to do with the fact that I've got so much going on in my life.
0: Let's take that reason. Let's take that reason. Yes, let's. So Hazel, um, again, Hazel's website, yours stairwaytowealth.com backslash gift to pick up her free gift. Thank you, Hazel, for being on Conversations That Heal. And I want to remind the listeners that we are on iTunes as well, of course, as Blog Talk, which you're welcome to like us, follow us um, for up-to-date announcements. Remember that you are a lovable and capable human being above all. And again, thank you for listening to Conversations That Heal, and please take care of yourself.